Uh, hey, we're glad you're here tonight. Um, we're going to have a good time. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. We're starting this new series tonight. It's called I'm Not Alright. That's what the I'm slash alright means. I'm Not Alright. That's our new series. And, uh, you know, what happened is a couple, about a month ago, our team was together and we were talking about, hey, what are we going to do in between these two series that we were working on? And uh, we thought, hey, we just want to do one Just one week where we just kind of do a topical message and kind of a little balance in between. And the more we started to talk, the more we realized that a message on mental health really wasn't enough. That it was going to take a few weeks to navigate this well. And the more we talked about it, the more we realized that, man, this is a big deal. This is a big deal in our country. It's a big deal in this room. Uh, We can see it doesn't matter if you're on a stage somewhere or if you're sitting in a church or if you're at home alone. Mental health is a struggle for a lot of people. In fact, many would argue for most people in some way, shape, or form. And so the more we started to talk about this, the more we realized that, man, this is a big deal. And uh, we're not licensed psychologists or anything like that, and so I'm not going to try to solve all of the problems. But what I do hope to do is to encourage you, to show you the word, and hopefully through some of the research and some of the good people that are helping bring this thing together. It's not just me. There's a lot of people behind the scenes helping to bring all this content together over the next few weeks. I really hope that it can be a blessing for you. Maybe for some of you, what you're going to experience in the next few weeks is something that's going to actually work on you. But maybe for others, it's going to be something that you're going to be able to hold on to and use to minister to other people throughout your life. Regardless of which situation you fall in, these next few weeks are super important. As we learn and become equipped on how to deal with and to navigate some of the most difficult seasons of life. And with that being said, I want to say this. uh, It is not a sin to be sick. It is not a sin to be sick. You need to hear that tonight. I want you to, and tonight was perfect, I mean, just to, to be able to open up and to, to peer into the life of someone else that's not normally on this stage. Listen, you need to understand that your struggles, okay, all of our struggles are rooted in sin, but being sick is not a sin. The reason we get sick of any kind, of any shape, started all the way back in the beginning in the garden, Okay, when sin entered into the world, everything began to disintegrate. And we are on a path to complete destruction. That's just reality. I hate to break. Some of you are like, I thought this place was happy. Sorry, wrong place, at least not tonight. Yeah, the reality is since sin entered into the world, everything has been falling apart. And it's going to continue falling apart until God finally says, that's enough, Jesus, go. That's what we're looking at. And so I want you to understand where it comes from. But I also want you to know that if you are struggling with some form of mental health and all the things we're going to look at over the next week, I want you to know that, that you've done nothing wrong. And I would also say to you that you're not alone. You are not alone. But here's what I do want to say to you. What you do with that, that's what's up to you. That's what's up to you. Um, I wasn't planning to talk about this till the end, but, but Austin brought it up. So let me just come on the coattails of this. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Now, I would love to say in this room, I know we've never had, but I've already been proven wrong. I know that thoughts of suicide cross the minds of many people more than will ever admit it or talk about it. And I want you to hear tonight. In fact, if this is the only thing I say tonight, we can stop here. I want you to hear this. Don't give up 
do not quit because you can get through it. And whatever decision you think, whatever you think would come out of doing whatever it is to ease the pain you're feeling is always going to be a temporary, a temporary season. Listen, this life is never going to be perfect. And because we're on a downward path as a whole, it can seem overwhelming. But here's the amazing, good, unbelievable news. And that is that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have the power of God that lives inside of us. It will never make life perfect, but it gives you the strength to endure. We have all been through seasons where we felt like the world was ending in our personal life. Maybe some of you are there right now. And I want you to know. It's okay, and it's not over. It is a temporary season, and you can make it through. you got to hear that tonight. And listen, you need to be ingraining this in your brain if it's not you tonight, because I guarantee you, I guarantee you there is someone close to you that needs to hear the words I'm saying to you right now. And you may be the one that God calls to put in their path to get in their way to give this encouraging message to them that this is a season. It's a season. And you can make it. I remember, I'm just going to be honest, tonight we're going to be all over the place. I just realized because I might as well turn my notes away. Um, I remember hearing a story years ago. You may have heard it. It's a very familiar story. But I heard a story about a young man who was always getting bullied, always getting picked on at school, having a terrible day. He's walking down the hallway and... Lo and behold, some bullies come up, they knock his books out of his hands, they go all over the ground, and of course, he's embarrassed, he's hurt, he's frustrated, everybody's laughing, you know, the typical school scene. Well, this other young man that was in the hallway that day, was a little bit more popular, kind of had some of those things going for him, he walked up and he said, you know what, hang on, let me get that for you. And he bent down and he picked up all the books and he put them together and he handed it back and he said, you know what, let me walk you to class. And he walked into class and he started to talk with him and started to encourage him. He ended up taking him home that day, drove him home from school. They became best friends and about five or ten years later, that young man that was getting bullied and had his books knocked all over the floor, he said, you didn't know this. You didn't know this. But five years ago, you saved my life. Because that day you picked up my books was the day I was planning to go home and to kill myself. And because you took a moment to extend a hand, you literally saved my life. Man, you never know. Listen, this is why, guys, we can't be so busy doing all these other things that are so minute that we might miss the opportunities that God has placed right in front of us. How many people do you know here? How many people do you know? Do you know what we are? We are supposed to be a church. Do you know what a church is? I'm going to hurt some people tonight. Church is not what you see all around us. It's just not. What we are doing today in the American church as a whole is a crime. It's not church anymore. It's entertainment. I better be good or they're not coming back. The band better crush it or we're done. We'll go down the street because they got six singers instead of three. It's become an entertainment thing. 
And so we walk in a room, we sit in a chair, and we look, and we watch, and we wait, and we go, hmm, that was, no, that, that was good. I'll, maybe I'll come back next week. Or, oh, that wasn't good. I'm going down the street. And the reality is if you read this book, you will never see that. Do you know what you see? You see a call for community, for fellowship. Fellowship, not fun and parties and the socials, though those things are fine. Fellowship is when you actually walk through life together. And you could come in a place like this, and you may not be best friends with everyone, and that's fine. But we should walk in here and go, man, there's my Paul, there's my Timothy, there's my Jonathan, there's, man, these are the guys, the girls walking with me through life. I talk to them about things. I don't come in and bottle up. I come in and I share. Now, of course, we have these large gatherings where we can teach and we can sing and we do that in a group and that's okay. But listen, if that's all you're here for, I just want to encourage you, you're missing out on so much. And then we wonder why the people even in the church are struggling with mental health. Well, listen, here's where it starts. It starts because so many of us are walking through life alone. Sure, we have friends on Facebook, social media. We have people we're acquaintances with. Oh, they go to my church, but we don't really know anything about each other. We couldn't help each other even if we wanted to because we have no idea what's going on. Do you see how this works? And when God established the church, it was to do many things, but one of the key elements was that my children, God would say, will walk through this thing together. Life is hard, and when you do it alone, it's even harder. So the first thing I wanted to talk to you about tonight, really as we start this series, is just that. That if we're going to walk through the battle of dealing with mental health and all the different ways that could unfold, you need to know that we can't do it alone. And I'm going to tell you, I have good news for you. This room is full of people. That could be doing life together. Maybe some of you are. That's an encouragement. You don't have to be alone. And if you've come in here, if you've come in here and you feel alone and you've been coming here for a while, you know what I'd say to you? Shame on us. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I'll take the blame for that. I want to tell you something else. Uh, for the last month, uh, I've done an injustice to you as your pastor. I have not shared with you a season of struggle that I've been in that I should have had my people walking with me through. This last month, don't worry, there's nothing moral or anything I'm about to drop on you. But this past month has been the, really this past month that has been the most difficult days, the most uh, stressful days of my life. Uh, last night we started a brand new program in this room, in the room next door for our married adults, one of the new ministries that I took over. And I'm telling you, it was packed from wall to wall. Every detail you could imagine had to be covered. And I'm telling you what, for the last month and a half, I've been dying. As I've been trying to keep up with Sunday morning and keep up with Wednesday night and keep up with you guys on Thursday and never let you suffer for what's been happening. But you know what I've done? As I'm looking at all this and I'm going, I'm about to talk to you about how you need to stick together. And no one in here really knew what was going on with me because I did an injustice and not modeling to you the very thing that we should all be doing. And that is walking through life together. And I should have been asking you guys to be praying for me. I didn't need anything else from you. I just needed your prayers. I needed the strength that's going to come from you going on my behalf before the Lord and praying over me. I needed that. I didn't do it. And I have let you down by not modeling 
what it could look like. And for that, I'm sorry. Guys, this is what life is supposed to look like. You don't have to walk in a room and say, today I did all of it. But you walk in and you say, man, I need to talk to you. I'm not going to make everyone down and walk in mopey every single day, but I, I, I want to talk to you about it. I need some encouragement. Can we catch up after service? You betcha. Hey, you know what? I'm going through something. I need, I need to talk right now. Could we do that? You know what? I'll sacrifice my service. Let's go talk out in the lobby. This is what a community looks like. And I, want, I just want to encourage you guys. I want to encourage you to want that, to desire that. And man, if you walk in here and you go, I could never make this place my home. Then we love you not to be me. Go on. Find a place that you can because that's what it's supposed to be. Look, if, if you're entertained by me, you can go watch the videos online. Good for you. That's not church, though. Man, I want you to come here to be encouraged by the word and to sing because we have an incredible group leading us in worship every week. But I want you to have a place where you can feel like you're at home, that you have friends, and that you are not alone. It's vital. Hmm. Well, out of time. Um, just a couple of things as I lay groundwork for this series. Number one, when we say mental health, it does not always mean crazy. Okay, can we, can we, and I put, per, whatever, what's that? Presenter, question? Yeah, I didn't graduate college. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't mean crazy, okay? Now, now there are some really extreme mental health issues. We know that, okay, we're not calling them crazy. That's why they're in the quote. But what I'm saying to you is the mental health that's most common are the things that you probably didn't even realize fall into the category of mental health. Things like depression, anxiety, OCD, PTSD, bipolar, uh, substance abuse disorders, eating disorders, all of those things, they are in the categories and the leading mental health issues. Did you know that? And it's because of those things that most suicides come to life. Not all, but most come from some form of a mental health issue that just wasn't dealt with. So we see that and we go, whoa, this is important. And then we look at it and we say, when you look at the research and the statistics on mental health, do you know what we find? It's the young adults that have the biggest struggle because they're trying to figure out who they are. They're, what we're we always talking about in here, who you are, your purpose, right? One day you're going to find someone that stress wears people out. You've got change of job. I graduated college, but I didn't get a job I thought I was going to get. Or I'm working through college and it's so hard. I got this test and this exam and this paper. And you have all these things that pile up when we're young, young adults because that's the season of life. And we find that young adults are the ones struggling the most with mental health issues. And so this is as real for you and I as it's going to get. The other thing is, as we go through the next few weeks, we really won't get into specifics tonight, but as we go through the next few weeks, I want to encourage you, as we talk about some of these issues, you're going to go, wait a minute, I, I experienced some of that, I've seen some of that, I've had some of that, and just because you have some of the, the stressors or the symptoms doesn't mean you have a diagnosis, and I want to say that up front, okay? Listen, I've been in places of depression, but I don't feel like I'm struggling with being depressed as an official disorder. Does that make sense? And so I want to set that up for you because some of you are going to be going, oh, I, I thought I was okay. I have all of these. Every one of these is me. I, what is this? 
place is terrible. I never want to come back. Where's the happy stuff? This is crazy. So I just want to warn you that, that you're going to probably find that there's some stuff going on with you. And here's the good news, okay? Uh, usually diagnoses come with a six-month or more kind of extreme, extreme experience of these. And so we've probably all been a little depressed. We've probably all been a little anxious. We've probably all had some of these things. So I want to encourage you. But at the same time, I also want to warn you. When you start to hear it, you may realize this explains a lot of what's going on in my life. And I want to encourage you. Man, we're on the right track. And we're going to get some help. And it's going to be beautiful. I want you to know two things. God is the ultimate healer. And if he decides to heal you tonight from whatever it is, he can. But I also want to remind you that God also uses his people to do some of that healing great medical professions and counseling systems and all these different things. And so not all of it is going to be a miraculous instant healing by God, though it's possible and we'll pray for that. For some of us, it's going to be a journey that we're going to go on, but it's going to be in the journey that we're going to encounter the Lord and learn and grow into who he wants us to be. And so I want to just lay some of that groundwork for you and to, to just encourage you as we begin to move forward in this idea. Now, I had a passage. I'm not going to have time to break it down, but let me, let me just read this passage to you. And I want to encourage this thought, and then we're going we're gonna to get on out of here. Mark chapter 2 says this. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And when he returned, this is Jesus, to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no room, not even at the door. Okay, let's just pause for one second. I wasn't going to break it down, just this part. Okay, there are so many people in the house, okay? All right, this is probably a larger house, but there's so many people in the house that they cannot get this, you're about to find out, man that's paralyzed in the door. Okay, and you would think, oh, a group that sees a man paralyzed and they're listening to a man speak that's obviously healed people numerous times so far, you would think that there'd be some sympathy, right? Hey, make some way so the man can make his way in and maybe be healed. Wouldn't that be cool? We get to see. They are so locked in on what Jesus is all about that they could care less about anything else happening around them. And guess what? That's our problem today. We're so focused on coming into church and getting what we need that we miss what's all around us. You came to church tonight to be ministered to and to do some ministry. Did you know that? Well, we don't think about it like that. And we get this perfect model. Were they doing anything wrong? No, they were locked in on Jesus, the Son of God. Pretty good person to be locked in on. But even in that moment, you can be so locked in that you miss the moment happening around you. And I wonder how many people you've encountered in the last few days that could have man, been encouraged by you, uplifted by you, maybe even changed by God's work through you. We get caught up. Okay, that's no more of that. Okay, let's keep going. And he, Jesus, was preaching the word. That's the Bible. Was preaching the word to them, and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by how many? Four men. Anybody got four people in their life? Like, four, not, no, not four Facebook friends, okay? I'm talking four people that would carry you if you were paralyzed, no matter how long the journey. Now, that may be a weird explanation, but I'm just saying. Does anybody got four people? Anybody got three people? Two people? One person? Now, the four is not some theological, this is what you have to be successful in the Christian life. I'm just saying 
This man had four people willing to do what we'll find in a minute, anything that needed to be done for their friend to get to Jesus. You got some friends like that? I'll tell you what, if you don't, I give you a hint, it's probably because you're not that kind of friend. Sorry, dang, should have waited for week two, I'm sorry. Listen, you're gonna attract who you're like. If you're some bozo that just drains your friends constantly, guess what, you're gonna spend a lot of time being alone. But oh man, if you bring to the table as much as you're taking out, it sure does make a difference. Now that was free for some of you. Now here's what it made me think of. And I'm looking at this. While Jesus was preaching, they came bringing their friend in. Listen, your friends will never know what's going on with you if you don't tell them. Silent suffering is the worst experience you'll have in your life. When you are suffering and you tell no one about it. Don't let silent suffering be what, if you will, symbolically chokes you out. Don't do it. Find those people, maybe those four, and talk about it. Then verse 4. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd... The rude people focused on Jesus. They removed the roof above him, and when they had made an opening, let down the bed in which the paralytic lay. Now, I'm going to tell you, as a teacher, I teach multiple times a week. Nothing is worse than when people are distracted, okay? I'm just going to be honest. If I was teaching and all of a sudden some dude started coming through the ceiling, I'd have a problem with that, okay? A real, you would probably see a different side of me. I, I wish that wasn't true, but it probably would happen. I just, what in the world are you doing digging a hole in my roof while I'm trying to preach the But you don't hear Jesus complain about that at all. I, I just can imagine everyone's like doing the one eye up, one eye down, like what is going on? But it's Jesus, what's going on? It's Jesus, though. but uh, this is so weird. And he's getting closer and closer and closer. This is the crazy. This guy is amazing. Like everyone's coming for this dude. What in the world is going on? And they lower him and they lower him and they lower him. And why were they doing it? Because, listen, good friends, they're going to do whatever it takes to help you get where you need to go. I'll tell you what, though, good friends also have good discernment. They know when you need to go at it alone and they know when they need to walk with you. That's a big deal because the truth is some of you, you need a little bit of time of navigating some things on your own. Some of you are, listen, never mind, let's move on. <laughs> By the way, the roof, not our roof, but their roof would have been made primarily of mud, and it would have been a couple feet thick. So this wasn't just like, some people say they, they pulled back the fabric, but the more I study this, they really had to dig that. They were digging, mud was falling on your head while, Je I'm not Jesus, but while the guy was teaching, mud was falling and hole was being dug, and these men are what? They calculated I think it was Luke that tells us they calculated exactly where Jesus was and they dug until there was an opening big enough for a man laying down to be dropped down into. And then guess what happened? Well, verse 5, and when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, whose faith? All of them, really. The man that was ill, he could see his faith. We'll talk about that in a minute. But he could see the friend's faith. The friends had to have faith. Do you think that wasn't intrusive? Do you think that wasn't a little embarrassing? Hey, guys, sorry to interrupt this mass crowd. We're just lowering our friend real quick. No, don't bother us. We're just don't mind us. We're just feeling away, right? And so they had faith that something was going to happen. 
Some say, I don't know, I think this is a bit of a stretch, but some say as they were lowering him, they had so much faith because the truth is they weren't going to be able to pull him back up. So once he's down, like he's down. Now I think they could have carried him out. But for what it's worth, someone said that it sounded cool. All right, then we go on. For their faith, and he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. But now some of the scribes were sitting there. I'm going quickly. I could dig this stuff for days, but we got to go quickly. Some were sitting there questioning their hearts. So the scribes were looking at it going, what in the world? You, who are you? Who are you to forgive his sins, right? What does this man speak like that? Why does this man speak like that, they said? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Listen, they looked at him and they said, who do they remember? They don't think Jesus is God, and they look at them and they go, "Who are you to say his sins are forgiven? You're nobodies. You're a nobody. You're just some guy that has attracted a big crowd. Okay, we'll give you that. But you've done nothing else. Sure, maybe you released some demons later on, but we didn't see it. Who are you that they didn't realize is that Jesus is God? Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus is God? One in three, three in one, Jesus is God. I remember hearing um, Ben Young, one of the pastors here, he got up one Sunday morning, Bible study teachers, you might want to write this down. He got up one Sunday, he told the director of the class, hey, it's going to be a little different today, just roll with it. He got up, stood in front of the class, Jesus is God. And he went and sat down, that was it. That was all he said, his entire lesson was three words. I wasn't even there, and I still remember it. It was so good. Because what did he say? I want you to get one thing, that Jesus is God. You will never forget it because it's the only thing in this particular message that matters. You need to understand that. Listen, they needed to understand that Jesus is God, but they didn't, so they questioned him. That's what this is about. But then the last part, last little verse, Jesus said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying we've never seen anything like this. Can you imagine the tension? Imagine the man first on the bed going, can he even heal me? Like, did we just do this whole thing and nothing's gonna happen? Can you imagine the friends being like, is this guy, I don't even know, like, dude, hey, drop and run, right? We could still get out of here. We could still get out of here. Can you imagine the man that owned the house? What did you just do to my roof? What the world, man? Come on. And then can you imagine the scribes just being more and more angry? How dare this man speak like that? We are the religious officials, not this chump. I added that, of course. Can you imagine all of the tension in the room? And what happens? Jesus speaks and he is healed. He isn't just healed. He gets up and he picks up his mat and he starts to walk. Why is this important? Because you and I need to hear and be reminded today that that's the God we serve. A God that is capable of healing anyone he wants to. And at any time that he wants to. We also need to understand, we also need to understand that you and I cannot walk through life alone. You may not have four, though that'd be great because if you're ever paralyzed, you got one for each corner. But regardless, you need people in your life. You cannot do this alone. Please don't miss that. You cannot do this alone. God wants you to hear that today. And you don't need a bunch of casual friends. You need a few good ones. 
that you would trust with your life. 